Welcome to the Fire Church Podcast. Today we pray Holy Spirit will speak through this message and into your life right where you are. Well, without any further ado, uh, can we please give a warm welcome for our very first intern, Mandy Betts, who's going to share his story, and then followed by Peter Rangi and then Rochelle. Let's be up on our feet and help Mandy feel encouraged tonight. for a minute whilst I get myself organised. Okay, so I've been asked to come up and share my testimony of how I came to personally know the Lord in my own life. Um, I'm a little bit nervous, so please forgive me if I get a little bit lost. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So there's quite a few aspects to my story, but I'm going to do my best not to get a little bit lost, so I'll follow my dot points best I can. So starting right back at the beginning, so I grew up in a Christian household Um, attending church on Sundays and Sunday school with my parents, all my auntie and uncles, um, cousins on my dad's side. Um, My mum's from northern Queensland, so her family are all up there. Um, So I was used to being in church and I believed in God from a very young age. Um, It was a very 1950s-style church, um, all the old beautiful pews. It was in an old beautiful church. My grandparents had been there Um, and help pastoring there for many, many years, Um, although they weren't pastors, but they were very involved in the church. Um, So it it definitely wasn't spirit-filled, but, you know, everyone's got to start somewhere, so um, bless them. Um, So a little bit later on, so my mum, myself, and my younger brother um, moved to a more spirit-filled church um, in the same area, And this is a little bit later on where I started to see the difference of a spirit-filled church as opposed to just a word church, although I was still quite young at that time. So it was a bit of a difference for me, but it was something that I didn't have an issue moving into. Um, So when I was about eight years old, I was diagnosed with leukaemia and went through two full years of chemotherapy. So I was miraculously healed of that cancer actually very, very early on in my treatment, Um, impossibly early on, but that's a story for another time. Um, But I did unfortunately need to complete the two full years of chemotherapy. Um, As a result of that, I lost my hair and had other side effects. So my school was very supportive and did a great job with my coming back to school into the classroom Um, But I did unfortunately get bullied a lot at school for being a boy. Um, And questions like, you know, why do you have a boy's haircut? Why are you playing in the girls' teams when you're a boy? And so on. So um, although I was quite resilient in myself um, and it didn't, I didn't feel it affected me that much. I mean, it did have an effect and it was really hurtful um, for me. So... That was around about grade four that that started. Um, I came back to school mid-grade four, um, going into grade five. So by the time I hit grade six, you know, I was starting to get some sort of hair growth back and um, it's a big year for everybody. So I was in grade six and one of the boys wanted to ask me to the grade six graduation. (laughs) Um, I wasn't so fond of this boy so much um, and I did not really want to go with this particular person anyway. Um, As a result, his friend approached me and told me that I was the ugliest girl he had ever seen and I should take whatever offer in life I could get because I was so ugly, no boy would ever like me um, and no one would ever love me. So that is when the devil got his claws in and I started to fully believe that lie and that I believe that that was right. Um, I believed I was ugly and I should take whatever attention I got from that moment onwards. 
So that led me to becoming a bit of a wild party girl. Um, lots of drinking and disrespect for myself. I dated lots of people um, and had no love for myself. I believed I was worthless and not lovable. This led me to being extremely depressed, going through quite a few abusive relationships with boyfriends, not physically, just emotionally. Um, and I become, became very hate-filled and had a really bitter attitude towards other people um, and towards the bullies in my life and looking back on my youth. So beautiful mum saw how much I was struggling and she encouraged me to go back to church um, with one of her work colleagues who was my age um, and to get prayer, <coughs> excuse me, prayer ministry and so I did. This is where I first encountered Jesus as an adult for myself and I believe I was about 20 years old at the time. So during the prayer ministry session, um, I encountered the real living Jesus for the first time in my life. Um, I was able to see him through all of the times I was bullied at school and that he was with me and comforting me. So through the prayer ministry session, they took me through all the times in which I was bullied and got me to say, you know, where is Jesus in those situations? And I could see Jesus clearly there with me, supporting me and pushing me through and really giving me supernatural peace and resilience. Um, so I left that prayer ministry session a completely different person. For the first time in a long time that I couldn't actually ever remember, I had no hate in my heart anymore. I had miraculously, within that few hours, fully forgiven everyone who had bullied me throughout school and my life. Um, I had a smile on my face for the first time and I can't even remember. Um, I was full of joy and forgiveness towards my past. Um, so I started, from then I started attending church regularly and started my journey with Jesus um, I, and growing with him. Um, I learned how to hear from him, how to speak from him. My mum, so beautiful, taught me how to journal um, and so I have... A journal going back very, very many years of me and the Lord walking together. Um, so I'm still on that journey today and so thankful to not be carrying all the wounds that I had in my past um, that kept me so trapped. I will say that the devil did keep his claws in a little bit for me and up until probably almost maybe a year ago, I, I did still believe that I was ugly and... I wasn't really worth anything. Although I didn't feel worthless, I really, really believed I was a very unattractive person and no one would really, really properly love me. Um, that changed about 12 months ago and for the first time in my entire life, I can look in the mirror and say, wow, I look really beautiful today. Um, so, yeah. So bless God for that. He's fine. I've finally gotten fully free of that lie in my life and I will never, ever believe that again. I'm 37 and I can believe that. So <laughs> he got there in the end. Well, I got there in the end, but Jesus is there the whole time. And so things haven't always been easy. We all know that walking life with Jesus isn't easy. There's a lot of hard paths and especially when you're trying to walk the narrow path and listen to him in your life. Um, it can take you down some very narrow roads, but he's still there and I'm still here and we're still going. Um, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, I can always find him in my battles. Um, he's always there for me. Uh, and today I'm a brand new person. Um, I no longer live worthless, but I feel valued and I know that I'm a treasured daughter of the king now. Um, and I just have a scripture to go with all of that. So that's 2 Corinthians 5.17. And it's, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Um, and that really rings out in my story. And when I first found Jesus and first came out of that two-hour session, a totally different person than when I went in. Um, I went in completely broken and downtrodden and depressed and thinking I was worth nothing and I came out with a smile on my face that I couldn't get off for three months and started telling all of my wonderful friends that we still went partying with that who Jesus was and how he changed my life and come to church and 
Um, some of them actually did and, and did um, follow Jesus with me. So, yeah, who knows what's going to happen from here on in. And I'm looking forward to the journey ahead and um, glory to glory, onwards and upwards. So thank you for listening. Awesome, Mandy. Well done. Well done. And you got hubby, Eddie, at the front, smiling all the way through. And he knows you're very beautiful. That's why he married you, amongst many other reasons, many other things. Great job. Well done, Manny. Thank you so much. Powerful testimony. Awesome. Well, next up, we have um, Peter Rangi. And uh, Peter, where you are, Peter's ready on the side. And um, can we be up on our feet and encourage Peter as she comes to the platform? Thank you so much, Pastor Alex and uh, Pastor Lee and Pastor Jess. You're amazing, and I love you so much. You've helped me on this journey that I'm I'm going along with Jesus. Um, I'm just gonna get myself organised. Um, okay, so yes, my name is Peter. For those who don't know me, I'm 42. Uh, I'm a wife to an amazing husband who's here tonight (laughs) and um, I have three beautiful, beautiful children. Um, So in my life I went through quite a lot of trauma um, and it started very young. Um, I grew up without God to begin with. In fact, my mum was very much into New Age. So we had crystals for healing. Um, If I had a headache or a sore tummy, my mum would say, get the amethyst and put it on your head and your tummy. Didn't work. (laughs) Um, We would um, read horoscopes together and um, she had a lot of psychic friends and, yeah, there was a lot of that brought into the home. Um... So I have two older brothers and an older sister. Uh, When I was four years old, my eldest brother, who was 16 at the time, committed suicide. Um, A year later, our family home burnt down to the ground. Uh, We were in the home when it caught fire and I remember very vividly standing in the backyard with my mum's arms around me and just seeing our house, the flames our house burning down to the ground. We lost everything. So from then on, um, I saw a lot of depression, anxiety in my mum. She spent most of her days in bed. That went from days to weeks to months to years. And so I remember my mum mainly in bed than out of bed. And um, as you can imagine, those two things in two years would just turn your life upside down. She had you know, my brother, my sister and myself to still continue looking after. And I felt really uh, confused as a child um, because I saw all this happening around me and it, it, I just felt very lost and lonely as a, as a young child through my primary school years. Uh, when I turned 12, my parents divorced and no one saw that happening. It shocked um, family and friends. And uh, that's where my life just... Uh, Yeah, turned into a very rebellious girl. I started smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol, wagging school. I was becoming a teenager and I was starting high school and then my dad up and left. He had an affair on my mum and I thought, school? I'm not going to school. I'm going to smoke, I'm going to drink, I'm going to rebel, I'm going to disrespect everyone. I turned against everyone. Um, I was going back and forwards from my mum's to my dad's. They couldn't handle me. My mum couldn't handle me. Go to my dad's, back and forth. I lived with friends and their family. Uh, and again, yeah, wagged school. I started hanging around with older older people um, out late at night. That included older boys, much older boys. 
Um, and at 13, I got abused sexually. Um, I then took a turn and I left school at 15 and got a job. Um, I, I started a hairdressing apprenticeship and that built my confidence up and I felt like I had a purpose. So I just jumped in with both feet um, with that hairdressing apprenticeship and I loved it. Um, so I then, when I turned 16, I got into a relationship with a 20-year-old and I moved in with him. That lasted for about two years and so I had not just a job, I had a re I gave myself that responsibility of paying bills, paying rent, um, cooking meals every night and living like an adult at 16. I, my daughter's turning 16 this year and I just can't imagine that life for her. So I left that relationship two years later, I was 18, and I started clubbing and that became, you know, that became my life. I'd work and then I'd look forward to the Friday and Saturday nights and started drinking excessively and becoming pretty pr promiscuous. Um, my dad, we were on talking terms and he saw that um, what I was getting up to and he, uh, he saw that and heard that I was hanging around with friends that were doing drugs and pretty heavy drugs and he thought, I uh, don't want you to go down that path. I'm moving to Queensland, I think you should come up with me. I'm buying a house, I'm buying an apartment and you can live in that apartment and rent from me. And I did. I was like, yeah, Queensland, I'm, I'm, I'm there. So moved up there, um, still held my... My job, I was qualified by then, and um, but the party scene was better than down here. It was seven days a week. <laughs> Surface paradise, here I come. So um, little did my dad, like, he's like, I'll get you away from down there, but yeah. So um, off I went, almost seven days a week, partying, still going to work. I don't know how that I managed to do that, but um, until I met my husband, who I'm married to now, <laughs> uh, we got together and he had his own demons that he was battling and I'm sure he'll get up here one day and share his testimony. But uh, I got pregnant fairly quickly, um, got married, I was a pregnant bride. Uh, we had a bit of a rocky relationship um, marriage in the first year. We, it was kind of like a roller coaster with sharp turns and whatnot. Um, uh, we got introduced to a girl who was a born-again Christian and totally on fire for God. She had young children and um, her kids would hang out with my Tiana, my daughter. And so we went to this church uh, on the Gold Coast and I was, she said, you'll love it. I was like, okay. And I went in and I was like, whoa, okay. Wow, got hit with the Holy Spirit and the message was good and the worship was amazing. And both my husband and I gave our lives to Jesus. So the thing is, we did that. We said the salvation prayer. But I, looking back now, I didn't really understand what repenting was. And... Um, our relationship with Jesus just became a Sunday session. You know, we'd go to church and we'd hear the message and loved the presence that we felt from God. But it was like, check you later, I'll see you on next Sunday. And we, we walked through life still in the world. Um, I, we then had our second daughter and I suffered terribly with anxiety. I remember just washing the dishes and boom, this panic attack fell on me and I thought I was dying. My heart, the sweats, the, the, the feeling that I got, it was terrible and, and that lasted for years, um, the panic attack and anxiety. I didn't turn to him. I didn't know about, you know, I'd hear my friend saying like, oh, you know, I'm just going to give it to God and he'll deal with it and I'm like, yeah, okay, right. I, I just didn't grasp that. 
Um, so we moved back down to Melbourne and I packed my anxiety and I packed my fear and I packed my what-ifs and panic attacks and everything in my suitcase and dragged that down with us. And that, that was still happening daily. I would wake up in the middle of the night and, and wake my husband up and say, I'm, I'm, I, think, I think this is it, I'm having a heart attack. It was terrible. Uh, we were church hopping um, and, yeah, we, we, we stayed at a church and oh, I didn't feel it and, and, you know, because when I gave, when I first gave my heart to the Lord, it wasn't the, my full heart, it was just a piece and I kept control of the rest of my heart. And when I was having those panic attacks and fear would creep in because, you know, as a child going through all of what I went through, there was a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety and a lot of confusion. So, um, yeah, I've got my notes here. I do kind of veer off. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, So, church hopping um, and then we had our, our son. And he went through his own trauma as a newborn. I won't get into that. That's, that's quite a lengthy story. But he was in hospital for eight days. And my friend, my beautiful Christian friend, um, different... Oh, yep. <laughs> nearly there. I'm nearly, I'm nearly there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, my beautiful... Uh, different beautiful christian friend she um she was saying just just give it to give it to jesus let him get you through it lean on his strength so i did and he got me through that peacefully it wasn't until um a few mums from our kids school that they go to now were encouraging us to come to a church called fire (laughs) so one would say oh you need to come to fire church it was through covid and uh, the church that we were at, unfortunately, things happened and I couldn't attend anymore. And um, so I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll come and check that fire church out. Didn't go. Another mum, you need to come to fire church, Peter, bring your family. Okay, okay, yeah. Didn't come. I didn't come. Third one, mentioned it. I was like, okay, I really need to check this church out. So I walked in. And it was, it was just myself and my kids. My husband, he does shift work and he couldn't attend for about four, four weeks in a row. And uh, I walked in with my kids and just the welcoming. Everything that you guys experience now is what I did. Just the, such Holy Spirit filled. Um, and I, I just felt such an urgency to rededicate my life back to the Lord wholeheartedly. Not just a piece. He moved right on in. That door was open never going it's never going to be closed again so since then um i i was experiencing um supernatural healings from prayer like people were praying over me and praying with me and that's only from god that you receive that supernatural healing right um i would go home and and share these stories with my husband and i said i'm getting baptized well, i'm i've got to get baptized and he said me too <laughs> <laughs> so we both got baptised on the same day, uh, months later. So it was only a few months after we attended this, this amazing church. And um, all anxiety, I've been freed from all fear, all anxiety, all the what-ifs, gone out the door, bye. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I've, I've started my internship and just, you know, we are the body of Christ and we need to carry each other through. We're not supposed to work this, walk this journey alone. We're just not. It just doesn't work. So now Jesus is the centre of my life. He's permanently in my heart and um, he's my number one, never turning back. He's the centre of my marriage, my family, my friends, no people pleasing, only pleasing him. Wow, that was powerful. That was amazing.
Uh, little did I know your background, Peter. I, I would not have um, pictured that past, but what a power, what a, you know, the power of God to transform a life, hey? And your, your kids, you know, John and the kids are just so beautiful. Our kids hang out with your kids as well. And it's amazing to see the, uh, the change in the family legacy now because of God. So good, so good. Thank you, Peter. Next, we have Rochelle Santvoort. Did I say that correct? Can we be up on our feet and welcome Rochelle to the platform? Hi, guys. Just, we, we've got to do 10 minutes, so we're, we're all setting timers as um, Peter let that secret slip. <laughs> um, so my testimony starts back when I was a baby. Um, I was born a normal size and then at six months old, still being breastfed, um, I started to put on a lot of weight and my parents were concerned. So they took me to the doctors who just said, you're just feeding her too much. So um, my parents were like, okay, it doesn't make much sense. She's being breastfed, but let's try feeding her less. Um, so they tried that throughout my life, and it, it never worked. Um, my auntie told me one time that uh, they used to call me the Michelin doll after the Michelin tyre company mascot with all the rolls and, you know, the tyres. So that, that kind of hurt a bit when I found out, you know, my parents, my family's, you know, laughing at my weight. Um, in kinder, three and four-year-old kinder, um, the kids would pick on me and I was excluded. Like, I, I'd have friends, but, you know, the, the tormenting was, was quite nasty. Um, in primary school, it was the same thing. Um, I would come out of the classroom. I was at a quite athletic primary school and I, <clears throat> I liked um, sport myself. And, like, I'd come running out of the classroom and they'd start yelling, earthquake. Like, um, you know, oh, we're going to get crushed. Like, one, one time in, in grade three or four, um, actually it was earlier than that, a, a guy said to me that I didn't deserve to breathe the air because I was fat and that I should stop and um, leave it for those who do deserve it. So uh, I started to get really sad um, prior to that, kind of just let it slide, like whatever, I, I know who I am and it didn't really matter. Um, but I was going home every night crying and I started having suicidal thoughts, told my parents I wanted to kill myself, um, you know, I felt worthless, like what, what's the point in living, my heart's going to hurt this bad. Um, but something, it was like this feeling told me that I was meant for more. Um, I tried, you know, I went to a psychologist once when I was that young and I, I felt belittled, like they were talking to me like I was a two-year-old. I was like, no, nah, it's not for me. Um, now, my, my family aren't Christian, not religious by any means. Um, no New Age stuff, nothing. They just, like my mum, my you know, thinks that she's her own God sort of thing. Like, we, we, we make our own luck. Um, they would say things to me like, just ignore it. Or my dad, <laughs> my dad said to me, tell him to come and say it to your face and then just punch him. <laughs> I, I couldn't do that. <laughs> couldn't do that. <laughs> um, I, I laughed. I was like, Dad, I can't, I can't do that. Like, that's not right. Um, in grade four, it was, it was really bad. So I moved schools. Um, it was a bit better, but still didn't quite fit in. Um, I started hanging out with you know, younger kids because they were a bit nicer and, um, yes, yeah, still wasn't great. Um, high school, the kids are older, their attitudes are worse, uh, their bullying was worse. You know, fatty want a cheesecake or, you know, just awful stuff. And at this point, after years of bullying and torment, I started to get angry and my heart started to get bitter. Um, one boy was just yelling at me and I just ran up at him and I clotheslined him and knocked him to the ground. Like, uh, another guy said something in a classroom and I picked up a chair and I threw it at him. Like, it got bad. Someone who was so kind-hearted now is angry and hurting people. Um, 
in year nine, I moved to a Christian school, hoping that it would be a bit better. And it kind of was, but it wasn't. And so my mum took me to the doctor and, you know, spilled out everything. And he's like, why didn't you tell me? Like, well, I've been trying to. Anyway, so he puts me on antidepressants at the age of 13. Um, I drift through life for many years just feeling numb. Um, I went from being so full of joy to hate but still being joyful to just feeling nothing. Um, I started to get this feeling of, you know, warmth when I was people-pleasing. So it was a habit that I picked up and it just got worse and worse to the point that started smoking at 16 and um, was wagging school. It's apparently something that we all do when we're rebelling. <clears throat> um, <laughs> I got my licence at 18 and my friends were younger. Like I was 18, they were 16, but they were smoking and they were drinking. So I would drive, they would party and it, it just became this whole thing. But I felt good because I was, you know, I was wanted, you know. Um, as I got a little bit older, the friends got a little bit older and they started doing things like stealing cars and breaking things and breaking into things and, you know, I was that person that was driving them to and from doing that. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> somehow I finished year 12, just. Um, my mum said that I had to go to uni or I couldn't stay at home anymore, so I did, still not knowing what to do, but she was a nurse. I was like, I'll try nursing. Um, depression hit really bad after three years and two failed attempts of uni, I came home. My mum wasn't very pleased and, you know, we had a fight and um, I went and sought the comfort from my friends. And, you know, I'm 21 at this age. Again, they've gotten older and the things have gotten worse and they're doing meth. So I start doing meth. Um, and that kind of became my life for several years. I'd be going, you know, out all week. I'd come home and sleep for a few days and then I'd be out again um, doing worse things. I uh, end up getting caught by police with, like, weapons and drugs and um, all sorts of other things. And I've been to court three times and somehow I never had a record. I think the worst was, like, having to pay $400 in fines and a good behaviour bond. Um, <clears throat> Keep in mind, I don't know God at this stage. So, uh, yeah, still trying to fill that hole in my life. Uh, one time I fought really bad with my mum and I left and I didn't come back for a year. I'm still on meth, sleeping in my car or, you know, on friends' couches and that sort of stuff. Um, uh, about a year later, this one guy who's... Um, really angry and um, just he was he would strike fear in people to get what he wanted and he ended up holding holding a shotgun to my back for 24 hours forcing me to drive him around you know picking up drugs selling drugs whatever um, it was kind of scary but somehow I, I kept doing it for a few more weeks and then the shotgun was at my face and I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm going home. I don't know if my parents will take me in, but I'm going home. Um, and they did. They did take me in. Sorry. Yeah. All, all through this, like, there was times of suicide where, like, um, I'd be driving around just hoping to crash my car. And that thought, again, like you meant for more than this, would be the only thing that would pull me through. And then, yeah, the shotgun, I was like, yeah, I'm going home. <laughs> Screw that. Um, so I'm now 25, so I've lost a lot of years of my life. Uh, still very depressed and still secretly smoking meth and got to a point where I started injecting. <laughs> um, uh, my parents said, look, we love you, we need you to get a job and, and snap out of it. So I, um, uh, I get a job and I'm working in childcare. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't do it, it's not nice. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> 
uh, anyway, I ended up I ended up meeting a guy who had a two and a half year old, and um, we started dating. And the little boy called me mom, and I was so in love with this guy. And I thought things were great; like this hole in my heart was filled. You know, I was good. And then the relationship didn't go so great. Um, we would fight all the time, and it, it, it got really volatile. And so after roughly, you know, three and a half, four years, we split up. Um, during the relationship, like, I wasn't doing ice anymore. That, you know, that hole was being filled by love from, from these two boys. And um, I was still smoking marijuana. I've, sorry, I've been smoking... I had been smoking marijuana since I was 18. It was, um, it was one addiction after another. I just, yeah... Um, after splitting up, I, I was just numb again, like a whole year of just numbness. Like by this stage I had, when I was with um, my ex, I, was, I started uni. I was trying to better my life, going from childcare to primary school teaching. Um, and somehow I was still holding all of this stuff. Ended up losing my job through a mental breakdown, but I was still doing uni. Like I still had something. Um, after a year, so I was hanging out with a friend one night and she was smoking meth. And I tell you, it is the most addictive drug. Like, you think you're clear. I was off it for five years and you're not. Just don't even go near it. So um, I was back on it for another three weeks and, and the lies started coming in. I was coming down one night. It's like, well, this is it. There's no way up from here. Like, you're going you're gonna to lose your family, you're going to fail at uni, like what's the point? And then there was this moment of clarity. Um, something told me, to, I, I need to get, you need to get out your phone and start recording. And um, I did. And then these words that I've never spoken over myself in my life came from my mouth saying, you are worth more than this. That same thing again that pulled me through every time. Told me that you're going to change, you're going to find joy, you're going to find peace. And as hard as it might be at times, people are going to see you messy. But they'll see you change and you will grow. Um, I reached out to my ex who um, was, was going to church and building his relationship with God. And he said, like, so that's why I'm awake at 2.30 in the morning. You know, so he's like, look, you need to go to church. Um, I think it was not even a week later I walked through these doors. <sighs> um, same thing, like, you guys are just so warm and welcoming. It's this sense of family that I've never experienced before. As, as much as my parents love me, they never understood me. They'll never able to support me um, and I was sitting here and Pastor Alex started talking about baptisms and I was like I think I need to do that so I think it was maybe two weeks later in this floor I got baptised and um, yeah I came up and just this light came over me there's a photo floating around and you can just see the joy um, I, uh, that night, or a few, actually I think it was three days later, I, I smashed my bong, just wrapped it up in a blanket and I'm like, laters. Um, I threw my marijuana out into the grass, I'm not going to find that again. Um, <laughs> and I, um, after 17 years of antidepressants, I just stopped. So if any of you know what it's like to be on antidepressants, they say not to just stop. I've tried to stop before and, like, you get the shakes and, like, it's just really crazy mentally. Just don't do it. But um, if you've got God, do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I dived into the Bible. It was like I was breathing it. It was amazing. And I started to realise, like, hey, if, if someone in my family had have just said, hey, here's the Bible, like, God's great. Things would have been so much different. 
you know, um, to the bullying, like I, I could have read things like 2 Timothy uh, 1 verses 6 to 7. So for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, which is in you through the laying on of hands. You are strong, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. This would have given me so much courage in life. Things like Deuteronomy 31, when the Israelites were faced with the foe across the Jordan River, it says that the Lord your God will cross over ahead of you and he will destroy the nations before you. So he will go ahead of you and defeat all of your bullies and all your torments and everything in your life. You just have to trust him. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I stopped the meth. Like that's, yeah, the meth, um, the meth. That, that night after that video, I couldn't, couldn't do it again. Yeah, no more hold. The drugs, no more hold. Anxiety, depression, gone. Like, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, in Revelations 3, 7 to 8, it says, He who holds the key to your life, he who is holy and true, he opens things that no man can shut and he shuts things that no man can open. So that's, that's my, my depression, the drug dependence, all of that self-loathing and, and having no worth, just gone. Like he just closed that door and he's like, that's enough, Rochelle. And I'm, I'm opening this door for you and... It was these doors. And um, so, uh, yeah, the Bible and and the family and the friends that I have gained, my heart is so full. Um, I am now engaged and I'm getting married. Yeah, I I work in before and after school care and I get to witness to our next generations. Like, I'm at the point where I'm starting to pray for their parents and it's great. Like, you know, I, I started off, I'm like, oh, you know, my boss or my co-workers are going to think I'm crazy, but now I just don't care. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm doing, doing the internship and it's, it's been a wonderful journey. I can't wait to see what else he's got for my life. It's done a full 180. Um, in Colossians 3, it says, now I've been baptised. I am raised with Christ I set my heart on things above and not the things here. Um, Christ is seated at the right hand of God. My mind is on him and not here on earth. For the old me died. I, I died down there and the new me was raised. So on that note, um, I know that life is hard and you search inside yourself too. There's, there still might be a little hole there. And I just want to encourage you to come up here right now and um, receive some prayer. Give your life to Jesus because it is the only real thing and the only true thing that can set you free. Um, I'm going to give you guys some time, but please come up come up right now. And if you, if you won't, that's okay. We can all just close our eyes and pray together. Right, if you can, like, put your hands on the people next to you and close your eyes, we'll pray. God, we admit that life isn't always great and perfect. But we stand here and we ask for your help. We stand here raw and real. We open our hearts to your son, Jesus. Come rest in us, Holy One. Come set our hearts free. Uh, Give my life to you. I will do the possible. I will read the Bible. I will pray and I will listen so that you, God, can do the impossible. I receive your love. And in you, I know I am worthy. In you, I am whole. 
new God, I am free. Amen. Okay, let's stay there, stay there, stay there. My name is Lee, if you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm also um, assisting Pastor Alex with the internship. And so I just want to clarify something. So you were depressed before the baptism depressed. and you came out not depressed? Not depressed. Yeah. You were on antidepressant medication yeah. for 17 years and you 17 came out? 17 years, yeah. And you, went, you were off it? Yeah, no, no side effects, nothing, no... Um, unclarity in the minds like they say depression can get worse but I was completely free you were addicted to meth yeah and then when you came out of the water you were set free I was free yeah (laughs) yeah just by publicly declaring my love for Jesus I, I was free the reason I jumped up is because we were helping um, Rochelle just curate the, the the testimony, and when she was telling it, it was just a lot more raw, and and I just need to um, accentuate some of those cool moments. Yeah. And um, yeah, this is what we and I, yes, <laughs> you're awesome. <laughs> we're giving a moment right now. For anyone out there, you know, you, you may be addicted, you may not be addicted. Actually, that, that's pretty cool because I was I, I was in the army as well and I was on drugs. So it's like, hey, you know what? I feel you. Um, if you're out there and life is empty, you may be depressed. This is a moment, you know. The Bible says when you are, when you accept Christ, because all things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. Baptism is, is a reenactment of, of salvation because it says when you accept Jesus, you, you're joined to His death. You are co-buried with Him and you are joined to His resurrection. And that's what it means, like 2 Corinthians 5, because all things have passed away, Behold, all things, not some, all things have become new. You went from being a sinner to a daughter, to a child of God. You went from rejected to love, no identity to being valued. And that's what you get when you accept Christ. So can we just try one more time? He's like, can I get every head bowed, every eyes closed? Maybe you, you're, you're like Peter out there. You, you, you prayed the prayer, but you've only given God a portion of your heart. And right now with this testimony, you think, you know what? I need to give my whole heart. And actually, that's what God was saying to me during worship. He's talking about how God is a jealous God. He, he wanted all of our hearts, not just portions of our hearts. Maybe you've only given a, a tenth of your heart to God. Today, God is calling you. He wants 100%. He doesn't just want you on Sunday. He wants you every day. Maybe you've, you've been called worthless and, and nothing and, and you're good for nothing and useless. Well, today God wants to give you an identity, a new identity. The price of something lies in what others are willing to pay for it. And Jesus has paid for you with His own blood. So why accepting Him, you became a prince princess. You become a child of God. You are worth the very Prince of Heaven Himself. Isn't that amazing? I think that's amazing. And maybe you are lost, empty. Maybe you've got addictions. God is calling you home right now. Would you like to enter into that amazing relationship that these interns have been sharing? If that's you, can I get you to lift up your hands, please? Is there anyone here? I see you. Come on. I see you. Any more? Come on. Lift up high. I see. Yes. No. Come on. Thank you. And you know what? Would you be so brave and come forward so we can celebrate you? Yes. Come on. If you put your hand, if you want to accept Jesus, why don't you come forward right now? Come forward.
Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, hey, you know what? Yes. Would you like to go up there? Because I will go with you. Turn to your neighbour, turn to your neighbour. Tap your neighbour and say, hey, would you like to go up there? Because if you do, I will go up there with you. Come on, come on, come on. Yes, come on. Come on, welcome, 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 welcome. Repeat this after me, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross for me, as me. Today, I renounce the old life. And I accept the brand new life. Would you come into my heart and make me brand new? Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your love. And thank you, God, for making me a brand new creation in Jesus' name. Why don't you stretch forth, everyone? Stretch forth your hand, clap for them. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I'm just going to pray right now. Father, I just pray for these people, God. I just declare right now a brand new day, God. I pray that You wash away every shame, every guilt, God, every mistake right now, God. God, you are. we thank You, Lord, that You are the God of the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth chance, God. You just want us to keep walking with You, God, and to renounce those things of old. So God, I just bless them right now. I pray that You fill them with Your Spirit and thank You, Lord, for Your power. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thanks, Lord. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about Fire Church, head to our website, firechurch.com.au. And don't forget to connect with us on social media on Instagram, fire.church, Facebook, Fire Church, and YouTube, Fire Church TV. Have a blessed week.